I want to talk about our opponent. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced, and on paper, they're just better, and they know it too. But I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. Patchwork Heart Ministry presents Young Catholics Respond, a challenge for young people to stand up for the Catholic faith and confound the world with radical hope. Now, here's your host, Bill Snyder. Thanks, Adam, and welcome to Young Catholics Respond, everybody. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. I want to remind you that you can head over to our website, which is patchworkheartradio.org. That's our new website to find all of the amazing programs that we are running on our radio uh, program and podcast. So please check it out. You can always visit our old website as well. It's still up there at patchworkheart.org to learn about our ministry. But the radio uh, show website is uh, pretty snazzy now, and we're real excited about it. So please check it out. Please connect with us over there. Uh, but I don't want to spend too, too much time talking about ourselves today because I have a wonderful guest with me. Uh, her name is Amanda Lauer. She is an award-winning author, screenwriter, and copy editor and journalist. As a Wisconsin resident, Amanda Lauer saw her debut novel published on October 29, 2014, A World Such as Heaven Intended, hit the number one spot in its genre on Amazon two months later and was the 2016 Young Adult Kala winner. The second book in the trilogy, A Life Such as Heaven Intended, was published April 1st, 2018, and the third book, A Love Such as Heaven Intended, was published on April 9th. Over 92% of Amazon reviews uh, for the series have been four or five stars. Book number four, A Freedom Such as Heaven Intended, will be released October 7th, which is super exciting. Uh, In addition to her work as a novelist, uh, Amanda has copy-edited movie screenplays and is the co-writer of the movie The Islands, for which she received the 2020 Best Writer Award from the Red Letter Awards. She learned the technical aspects of writing as a proofreader in the insurance, newspaper, and collegiate arenas. Over the, over the last 20 years, she has more than 1,500 articles published in newspapers and magazines throughout the United States. Besides her proofreading, copyeding, and writing career, Lauer is involved in health and wellness field and does commercial acting and modeling. She and her husband, John, have been married for 40 years, have four grown children, two son-in-laws, a daughter-in-law, and seven precious grandchildren. Uh, Amanda, welcome to Young Catholics Respond. I appreciate uh, all you're doing for the church. It's amazing. Uh, Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this today. Really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, it sounds like you have a fascinating journey, but the bio never truly does it 100% justice. So I always love to hear... Um, you know, from you about the areas in which the Holy Spirit is prompting you to share with us today about your faith journey and your walk with the Lord. Yeah, well, I was born and raised Catholic, and I really have to give my dad credit for that because um, my mom wasn't really raised in any religion. And so he was the one that brought me and my two older brothers to church every week and made sure we um, were enrolled in a Catholic school, which I had the opportunity to be in a Catholic school from first through eighth grade. Back in the day, they didn't have kindergarten for Catholic schools, so you had to go to public school. Mm. And then um, because of my dad's career, we ended up moving a couple times when I was in high school. So I went to three different high schools and didn't 
have the opportunity to go to a Catholic high school. So I graduated from a public high school and my faith was always something that was like really important to me. And I remember when I first met my husband and it was actually on a dance floor and we were just chit chatting and he was telling a little bit about himself. And he said that he had 11 brothers and sisters. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're Catholic. Yes. <laughs> and so right away I knew he was the one. I mean, literally that day I just knew he was the one and we ended up getting married like a year and a half later. And like the bio says, we, we have four beautiful children and we were able to scrape by and figure out how to get them all through Catholic schools, even with me as a stay at home mom. And so our kids went through Catholic school from preschool, basically all the way through college all four of them graduated from catholic colleges and it really was a beautiful journey and i'm i wouldn't do anything any other way even though we were probably about as poor as church mice sending them through that um as my faith journey goes i think my husband says it pretty well he says when you're a kid you go to church because your parents make you and then when you get out of school you go kind of out of a sense, still a sense of obligation. That's what you've always done. But then at some point, something happens and you want to be there, especially every Sunday. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, one of the, the big things that really shifted my focus to my faith was um, our family was in a very serious car accident. And if things had just been one second different, I probably would have killed in this accident. And that really shook me up and said, you know, I really need to get back to the basics of my faith. And that's when I really started, um, especially during Lent, would really do more things than I had been rather than, oh, okay, I'll give up chocolate or something. It was like, I'm going to pray the rosary every day during Lent, or I'm going to go to mass at least once a week when it's not a Sunday. And so those things, it's like they kept adding up. First, I was going to, to mass once a week on Wednesdays, and then I was asked to uh, be the lecturer on Wednesdays since I was there. So then I was kind of committed to being there all year. Yeah. And then um, my dad was was part of a Bible study that had been around for like 40 years. And for work, I was doing a story about the 40th year anniversary of this, this Bible study. And I thought, you know, my dad is here every week. I'm so lucky to still have him in my life. A lot of my friends have lost their parents. I'm like, you know what? I should commit to co going to the Bible study. So then every Friday I'd for the last like four years, I've been going to Bible study with my dad, which has been amazing. And But right next door to the place where we have the study is a church, and they have mass 15 minutes after Bible study gets out of my here. I might as well go to mass. <laughs> and it was on Friday, so it worked out great because then I was getting to mass on first Friday, which was wonderful. And then as far as like even the rosary, I had started the rosary. You know, I did it here and there, but I wasn't really doing it consistently. But like Two years ago, when they, we were leading up to the 2020 elections, I was listening to Relevant Radio, and they were saying they did a rosary every night at 7 o'clock, and it was particularly for the elections. I'm like, you know what? I need to jump in on that. Well, once you do it for that many months, then then you're like, it just becomes a part <laughs> of your daily life. And so... And then another, I was at um, some conventions for the Catholic Writers Guild and the Catholic Marketing Network. Yeah. And I kept noticing all these women that were veiling at church at mass. And I'm like, oh, that is like so neat. I just love it. And then I'm like, I should try it. I'm looking around my, my church, not one person was doing it. But I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to be brave because I really feel like I'm being drawn to do this. So I started veiling and then I gave a, a talk at our church last year at all the masses about veiling and what a beautiful concept it was. And 
and no one joined me. So it's still just me. I'm <laughs> veiling. <laughs> and this weekend I'm going to a Catholic women's conference and I'm sure there'll be a lot of women veiling there. So I'll fit right in. Yeah. And, um, and then like, <clears throat> even now, um, I'm subbing for somebody on Thursdays as a lector. And so I, um, I'll be going to church every it'll be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sundays. So I'm just keep adding more days as we go along. And I am considering for Lent this year, actually doing daily mass. Um, oh. I talked to a friend and to see what parishes have the masses at the times that work for me. So I just keep adding things and I keep reading too. And that's a big thing mm. because I have the opportunity to, to go to the Catholic marketing network convention every year. They have a ton of people there who are authors. A lot of them are priests and religious um, sisters and such, but, and a lot of them will give their books away. So I, I, I usually come back from that convention with like 30 books <laughs> and a lot of them are about our faith and, and how to defend the faith. And I just absolutely love them. I just recently read parenting for eternity, which was kind of mind blowing. If you have kids, mm. yeah. number one goal for your kids should be to get them to heaven, not to get them into the best college, not to anything, get them to heaven. And it gives very concrete steps to help this process along. So, yeah, so I, re I love reading about the church. And, and during Lent, I generally, I read a lot of Catholic fiction and Christian fiction too. But during Lent, I generally try just to read books about the faith. Yeah. So. Um, you know, you have an amazing journey. And what the one thing that I'm just, you know, blown away by listening to you is how when you are just faithful, God continues to draw you in deeper and deeper, right? Like he just, he says, yeah, you know what, I'm going to start doing this. You're going to start doing this. And pretty short, pretty, pretty soon you just have an entire life that is, um, you know, just enveloped and surrounded uh, by, by your faith, by our Lord. And that's, and that's so beautiful. Um, I, I encourage the, the young people listening to this out there, just, you know, there was nothing like earth shattering. It was just, yeah, you know what, I think I'm going to add this. I think I'm going to do this. And it's these little things that add up and create a beautiful life, and so that that is that is awesome. I mean, just just incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your faith with us, because uh, I sure. I mean, gosh, I, gosh, I just learned a lot. <laughs> you know, I just learned a lot about how to how to um, you know li live my life and, and how to add little things into um, into it as the Holy Spirit prompts us, right? And that's and that's so beautiful. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I, we, we can jump into talking a little bit about, about the books. You know, I know, um, that you have a wonderful series, the, the heaven intended, uh, civil war trilogy, which is, uh, uh, you know, awesome, uh, stuff. Can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, it's a, it's a civil war series, a romance series. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, in your mind you began to conceive this and, and it came to yeah. be. Yeah, and I should mention the fourth book is out now. It did come out in October of 2021. So there will be a fifth book that's, it's, we've already shot the cover photos. We've already, I did the research at Gettysburg. So it's, it's ready to, I just need to write it. Mm. So the Heaven Intended series started with just the, the thought in my mind that I wanted to write a book and I wanted it to be a romance, a historic romance, which I love, but I wanted it to be clean. I wanted to write a book that my kids and my grandkids could read and I'd feel proud to have them read because mm. I really couldn't find books in that genre. I, I have read hundreds probably of, you know, historic romances through the years and they generally what they call bodice rippers. <laughs> so <laughs> they're not as clean as they could be. So they make me uncomfortable. So I didn't want to write that. I wanted to write what I wanted to read. 
Yeah. So I really didn't know how to go about it. And I happened to be for work shooting photos at a business one day. And the gentleman who was the president of the company mentioned that his wife was a writer and that she had an agent in New York City. And that immediately caught my ear. I was like, you know what? I want to meet this girl because that's the coolest thing. And so he connected us. And she and I decided that we were going to, she wanted to write a book. I wanted to write a book. And so what we did is we got together for coffee once a month for two years. And she was writing her books and I was writing my book. And every month we'd bring one chapter, the next chapter of the book. And literally mine were so fresh that they were like warm when I brought them to the coffee shop. I just printed them before I came. Yeah. Um, but to go back to how to, to figure out what idea I was going to write about, I had all sorts of uh, eras I loved. I loved, you know, medieval. I loved Civil War. I, I love history in general, but the Civil War in particular. And it was literally the morning I was supposed to meet her for the very first coffee date. And I didn't know what I was going to write about. And I was just like going through all these ideas in my head. And I remember I had interviewed a gentleman for the newspaper in town about um, he had all this Civil War paraphernalia in his house. And it was the coolest thing. He had this beautiful picture of his great, great uncle on the wall in his Civil War uniform. And he told me this gentleman's story and it kind of blew me away. I've read a lot of Civil War books and I had never heard anybody with a story as harrowing as his uncle's story. I'm like, that would make a really good basis for a book. We knew a little bit because he had a bunch of letters his uncle had sent home, had the photograph, had his uniform and everything. But I just took that as the kernel for a story. And I said, I'm going to write a Civil War story and I'm going to base it on this gentleman's life. And it's going to, we're going to add some romance in there. And so then what I did is I actually, I sat down to type the first, you know, opening and I realized I have no idea how books are actually written. Like the he said, she said, whose head are you in, all this stuff. So I literally went behind me, grabbed the book off my shelf and went, okay. Uh, okay, he said, got it. So then I kind of figured out how to do, how to do like a dialogue because I really didn't know that. Yeah. And so, so after two years, the book was written, and I, I started to do the query process where you send it. First, I sent it to just a, a really big romance publisher. Well, I never heard back from them. Then I thought, okay, well, this would be considered Christian. It's Catholic based, really, because it's um, the main characters are Catholic, and some of these people are real Catholics from real life who lived during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, let me try like a Christian uh, fiction publishing house. They looked at it for about a second and said, um, where are all the Baptists? Weren't, weren't the people in the Civil War just basically like Baptists, like fundamentalists, that thing? I said, no, there was a lot of Catholics who fought during the Civil War. They're like, well, if you want to change the focus and kind of reconfigure the religion, we'll talk. I said, nope, I'm not doing that. That does not feel well, doesn't yeah. feel good to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sell my soul just to yeah. get this book published. It's not right. worth it. So then um, I, I only actually queried maybe a half dozen people in two years because at the same time, her youngest daughter was quite ill and she was a make-a-wish child. Mm. And so we were so wrapped up in that, uh, driving her two hours to the, the hospital she had to be at on a regular basis and such. I just couldn't do more than that. But after two years, somebody, I think on Facebook or something, had told me there was a Catholic publishing house. A girl from the United States had married a guy from Canada and they ended up living there and they opened a, a Catholic fiction publishing house called Full Quiver Publishing. I said, okay, well, I'll query them. And I did and literally within two weeks, they, they completely bit and the gal's name is Ellen Gable Hercash. So Ellen sent me a note and said, um, we are very interested in publishing this book and we just, just one thing. And if you don't wanna do it, we completely understand. Um, we would like you to change it from a third person perspective to first 
person limited perspective. I said, you know what? I will do that immediately. I said, when do you need it back? Like two weeks? She's like, uh, I think I'll give you about two months. So it probably might be a little bit more than you think it is. So we get done talking. I go to Google and type in first person limited perspective. I didn't know what it was. I agreed to this before I even figured <laughs> out what it was. Wow. So the bottom line is it's first person, except there's only two people's heads you're in, the male protagonist and the female protagonist. And every other chapter, it's her head to his head, her head to his head. So it worked out so well for a Civil War story because the man, the young man was on the war front and the young lady was on the home front. Mm-hmm. And my, my character was a 17-year-old girl helping out at her uncle's hospital in Atlanta where she meets this young man. And so that just really worked out well. So when the, when the book actually finally did come out in 2014, I was like, you know what? My life is complete. I wrote the book. I was on your right. I'm going back to my journalism career, back to my proofreading career, and life is good. And within a week, a friend called me up and she said, when is the sequel coming out? I'm like, sequel? There's no sequel. She's like, what happens to Dominic? I'm like, I don't know because I made that character up. I have no idea how Civil War worked out for him. She's like, well, my grandma wants to know. I said, your grandma? <laughs> She said she read the book and just loved it. I said, how old is your grandma? She said, 90. Oh, my gosh. Like, what is the longevity in your life, your family? Like, how long does she expect to live? It took me, like, four years to get this book out. And <laughs> But then numerous people were reaching out to me, like, oh, we really want to read more. We love this series. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a second book. And that became a life such as heaven intended. And then um, – and then once you have two, you feel like you need to have three. And so then I had the trilogy done. Yeah. And kind of the cool thing is the first, second, third books were based, actually, each one was based on one of our daughter's own personalities. Mm. So it was really cool to run because they're sisters, but they are very, very unique, different people. And so um, that was so fun. And then the fourth book came about because uh, a movie studio from L.A. had a, a really big movie had reached out to me with some interest first book into a, a, a movie which would be amazing and um and then they said boy it'd be really great if you could add another book to the series and they said you know was there any african-american young women in the movie in the series that you maybe can expand i'm like well yeah there was from book two and so i took their advice and i wrote a book in freedom such as heaven intended based on a young woman who was of african royalty who's whose grandmother had been enslaved and then her mother herself. And it's her story about how she is trying to escape and help her siblings escape from, from slavery as well. And, but a young man kind of gets in her way. He thinks he, he thinks he's helping her, but in her mind, she, she doesn't feel like he's any help at all. So there's always the conflict in each of these books where the man and the woman woman are on the opposite side of the war. But wow. the one thing they have in common is their Catholic faith. And they find that common ground to help each other, to help the people around them, and to save each other's lives, essentially. Oh. So yeah, so there will be a fifth book that's going to be called A a Faith Such as Heaven Intended that's on the drawing board right now, and um, hope to get that by 2023. Man, Amanda, this has been amazing. Uh, and I, I hope our listeners uh, pick up copies of this book um, and this entire series of books because uh, you are you are doing such amazing work, and you know. First of all, um, history buffs will love it. 
I'm sure. Um, you know, Civil War buffs will love it. But beyond that, people who love their faith. And a, as you mentioned, you know, writing uh, a romance that you can be proud of, um, just just amazing the the you know the work you're doing and the the creativity you have uh, to to bring this to life and to make it relevant in the you know 2022 to make that relevant for for people and to bring people to uh, a deeper faith uh, you know in a in a subtle way uh, I think that's mm-hmm. you know another big thing is that you know doing it through fiction um, is awesome and so. Uh, being able to guide people deeper in their faith through through the imagination, through fiction, is, is wonderful. Uh, I want to just take a short break here. When we come back, I want to talk with you more about the things you're uh, continuing to do uh, you know, to build up the kingdom of God. I know you have many different other areas of your ministry, so uh, we'll uh, chat about that on the other side of this break, but right back after these messages here on Patchwork Art Radio. Young Catholics Respond, brought to you by Breadbox Media, will return after these messages. Stay tuned. Patchwork Heart Ministry is committed to sowing hope into broken hearts by helping young people encounter the love of Jesus Christ and His Catholic Church through prayer, storytelling, and media initiatives. We invite you to prayerfully consider supporting this mission financially. Mail your tax-deductible donation to Patchwork Heart Ministry at P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, zip code 53147, or visit patchworkheart.org to donate online. That's Patchwork Heart Ministry, P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 53147, or online at patchworkheart.org. Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278. What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Welcome back to Young Catholics Respond. Once again, Bill Snyder. Hey everybody, welcome back to this episode of Young Catholics Respond. I'm Bill Snyder. It's wonderful to be with you. And uh, today my guest is Amanda Lauer. She is an award-winning Catholic author, screenwriter, copy editor, and, editor, and journalist. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the first half of the program talking about her Heaven Intended series, but uh, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit uh, because you have some interesting time travel books, uh, which I think many, many people like these days. Can you tell us a little bit about those, um, especially anything but groovy? All right, and yeah, absolutely. in three, two, one, all yours. Absolutely. 
16. Anything But Groovy is the story of a 13-year-old girl from the same age who gets a head injury and wakes up in her mom's 13-year-old body in the year 1974. And her mom... She grew up in the same house that her mom went, or grew up in, the same city, the same house, go to the same little Catholic school that her mom went to, but a whole different thing back in the 70s. And this girl's trying to negotiate, figure out how to get through seventh grade, which turns out she ends up being there the whole school year, and which friends her mom hung around with, and why the big jock in the school is bullying, and even, like, how do you interact with religious sisters who were your teachers back then and so and kind of what makes it a little complicated too is that some of the people that were went to school with her mom still live in this town and she kind of knows this girl knows their fate to some degree and so she really wanted to say things that but she doesn't want to affect the future or their future back then and so life is very complicated but it's funny there's there's interesting moments like the, the men who are her uncles in her life in 1974 were her annoying older brothers um, she gets to see her grandma and grandpa together because when when she was growing up, they weren't married to each other anymore, and it's just it's just kind of mind blowing for her. But she manages to get through it, and in the end, really appreciates what her mom went through and how strong her mom really was. Mm. Um, kind of the feedback I'm getting from a lot of readers is they're they're loving reading the story with their their teenagers. And it brings up a lot of questions, like, what was middle school like for you, Mom? Or what was high school like for you? Because I, I don't think that people necessarily talk about these things. So it's really been kind of gratifying, the feedback I'm getting. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I know you have another uh, kind of time travel book coming up, too, right? It's in it's in the works? Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's actually finished. I'm just finishing up the copy editing, and then it will go to my original publisher. But they also encouraged me to try some bigger Catholic publishing houses, so I'll do all that probably next week. It's called Royal and Ancient, and it's the story of a 17-year-old girl who is working at a golf course in this day and age, and she gets struck by lightning and wakes up in the year 1691 on the oldest golf course in the world, which is in Scotland, and she has to negotiate life in the 1600s. There's a lot of turmoil within the church politically at that time in Scotland and in England and Ireland, and to make things more interesting, she's a, a very um, attractive young man who's Scottish and finds out about his background and what his future is supposed to be and wondering if she, if God sent her back there for a reason. She figured he must have because otherwise she wouldn't have been there. Once to that conclusion, she tries to make the best of it and make the best choices she can and learn what she can to um, become a, a better person, a better version of, her, of herself. And so ultimately, you figure out in the end if she's going to end up staying there or going back home. So, yeah, that wow. should come out hopefully later this year. Awesome. So exciting. It's so exciting to hear um, the amazing work you're doing. And uh, I, I just want to ask you, you know, how, how can people uh, support your work? How can they uh, help uh, make, uh, you know, you a success, continue to make you a success? Because uh, you're doing amazing work. So just tell people how they can support you, how they can connect with you. Um, and yeah and all that the easiest way to connect with me is through my website which is just my first and my last name dot com so amanda flower dot com a m a n l a u e r dot com all my books are on there and you can reach out to me if people are looking for someone to speak to a group whether it's a, a zoom type thing or if it's actually i do travel quite a bit 
um, this coming weekend, I'll be at an event in southern Wisconsin. Two weeks from this weekend, I will be at the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference uh, signing books and chatting with with people who hopefully love my stuff. And um, so, yeah, and I travel to the, the Catholic Marketing Network Convention, all sorts of places. But I love to share the story. I love to share my faith. I love, love to evangelize in kind of a soft way where people just see the joy of being Catholic and are attracted to our faith because of the way we act and live our lives. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So amazing. And you're doing exactly that. <laughs> so through your writing, through your work, um, and really do appreciate all the time you spent with me here today on Young Catholics Respond. Certainly we'll have you back, Amanda, as you continue to uh, publish and write and uh, do amazing work for the kingdom of God. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. And I just wanted to say, ask people to support Catholic writers, support Catholic movies, support Catholic artists in any way, shape, or form. And that as we move forward with our book to movie project, we're looking for you know financial support, like everything, people to pray for us that this comes to light. So thank you. I do appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Well, folks, I really do appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, know that you can always reach out to us at patchworkheart.org. And until next time, may you keep beating to your Catholic heart. Young Catholics Respond is a production of Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about this and all our media programs, visit patchworkheartradio.org. To learn how you can support our ministry or become a sponsor, visit patchworkheart.org.